Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm very excited to have Amy Cervantes joining me today. Thank you so much, Amy, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. So why don't we begin by you just sharing a little bit of your story and kind of introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Amy. Hi. Um, I'm 37 years old, and I was born in Chicago a little bit outside of Chicago in a really small town. And my birth mom at the time moved us from Chicago to San Diego, probably when I was about two years old. And my brother and I, who is 363 days older than me, exactly, were in and out of foster care and group homes and things like that for a couple of years before, you know, we were actually put into the actual foster care system. And we were in the foster care system probably from want to say four until about eight. We were in the very last foster home that we were in. We were unfortunately split up. Um, and then about three or four months later, um, my brother was separately adopted by a family and I was adopted by the family that I grew up. Um, and their name is Hazel and Jose and they're amazing people. So that is the small part of it, <laughs> but there's a lot more to it. Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, we are just so appreciative of your willingness to share your story. I think, you know, as foster mamas, we're always trying to hear what it's really like, you know, to be in foster care and then just how that experience shaped you as a person. So what do you think is something really important? And then we'll kind of go back to your story a a little bit deeper, but what do you think is something important for foster moms to know as they're considering, or as they're in the, in the throes of fostering? That you will absolutely change a life. 110% because without foster mamas, there wouldn't be homes for kids like me. Honestly, we wouldn't, you know, be able to grow up without a a foster mom, even if it's, you know, a part-time or a a temporary foster mom, or, you you know, you end up staying with that family for a long time. um, It's an available home. It's a safe place for us. So no matter what, you're going to do a little bit of good. Um, It doesn't matter if you think you do it right or wrong or how frustrated you get the end result is so much good because it's so necessary. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Sometimes it it does feel like, what if I'm doing this wrong? You know, like, I don't want to make a mistake. I want to do this. I want to show up and and be so trauma informed and make sure I do everything right for this kid. And that pressure can feel kind of overwhelming at times. So it's nice to hear you say that. Honestly, I think about as an adult, all the things, and I will randomly tell my mom stuff as an adult now, things that I, you know, probably couldn't have said as a kid or didn't realize, but now looking back being 37 years old, I will randomly thank my mom for things or I'll have random memories because now that I am an adult and I look back, I think how amazing my mom was, you know, how courageous she was. It was not easy. There is no handbook. It's, you know it's really, really tough. I mean, being a a, a mama in general isn't easy, but, you know, it's kind of crazy. We always say, you know, there's a stigma with foster and adoption. Um, There's stigmas on both sides of it, but I always tell people that my parents picked me. And I think that's really cool. Like they literally picked me. That's pretty cool. 
<laughs> it is a blessing for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what those early years were like for you in foster care, because obviously like that hindsight of, you know, being 37 now and having lived through it and having a great experience is one thing, but looking back as a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, how are you dealing with the day-to-day of being in foster care? What would that look like and feel like for you at the time? Well, I would say there was a lot of, definitely a lot of good. And there was a little bit of bad at the time. You know, the foster care system is complicated and it has been for a really, really long time in California, specifically where I was in foster care, being a foster family or being a foster family at that time wasn't as, I wouldn't say have the resources and as fine tuned as it is. And I know that there's improvements that have to be made all the time, but, you know, my brother and I probably went to eight or nine different foster homes at that time. Unfortunately, Um, the longest that we were at one was the very last one that I was at. And we were there, I believe for a year and a half. Some of that is just situation being that at the time, our biological mom was trying to work things out and they were trying to give her an opportunity to kind of get back on the right track. So there was a few times we were in foster care and then back home and then foster care and then back home until the state, you know, completely uh, took over. But, you know, there's a lot of good and, and a little bit of bad at the time because the process of becoming a foster family at that time wasn't as regulated. And there was a lot more people, I would say back then, that would be able to slip through the cracks that definitely did foster care for financial gain. The last foster home that we were in was kind of like that. The family had two children of their own and at any given time they would have eight more children and you know we all shared one room. So yeah. And um, I'm not really sure how that was allowed to happen, to be honest. (laughs) Wow. But then I look at it on the other side and, you know, uh, I remember my uh, social worker. And I also remember even knowing back then, as much as I know now, being a social worker is a really hard job. There's not enough. There's way more kids than there is resources. There's way more kids than there is social workers, time, everything. So. That is, you know, that sounds really difficult and really traumatic. And especially at such a young age, I mean, how are you able to process through some of that? Like, what were the things that adults in your life were telling you about what was happening next? I mean, even coming back home and then going back into care, that's a lot. I don't really think that anyone, no, I got to be honest with you, that year in between my brother and I, my brother has way more memory than I do. There's a lot of things that we've been able to piece together. He was at an age where he could process things a lot better. So cognitively, he remembers it a lot more. Um, And because I was a year younger, I probably just relied on my brother and didn't really know what was going on at the time. But you know what, they didn't really tell us a lot. I don't know how you tell I don't know how you tell a kid what's going on. You know, I, I don't really you know, my I would ask questions once I actually did get adopted. And my mom and dad were absolutely amazing about being very open about the questions that I would ask. But you know, some of them were really sensitive questions too. But as far as what was going on, you know, they've never really told us what was going on at the time. We just, it was almost like we would have really long sleepovers at adult people's house because for my brother and I, we know they weren't family. So to us, they were just adults. It was like, okay. Oh, okay. We're going to this, this adults. Like that's where we're, we're staying or that's where we're sleeping. But as far as telling us, you know, they didn't really tell us a lot, probably because I don't know that we had the capacity to understand it. And the hard truth of it is, is what was going on is probably not something a four five, six, seven year old should ever know or be able 
to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Absolutely. So when you and your brother were separated then at the end, I mean, yeah. was that something that you remember? And what do you remember about that? That was the worst day of my life. And I do vividly remember that 110%. Um, There was a lot of aspects of stuff that was going on that was so not okay in that home. And being that my brother was older, he was definitely more aware of what was going on. My big brother is my best friend in the whole world and he's my big protector, but he 110% was, you know, protecting me through a lot of things that were happening in these homes. And not really having, I mean, the only constant that him and I had was our social worker. Now, again, there's not enough social workers and the social workers are overworked and they have a lot of cases and things like that. The other thing that you struggle with is, you know, how much is a kid acting out at that time or, or how much of what he says is because quite frankly, as kids, we're just going through it because we're going through foster care. So my brother was extremely protective of me at that time. And Uh, I I don't think that he was very happy with the treatment of what was going on in that home. And essentially our foster family had him removed from the home. And I still don't know that how that happened because we were supposed to be kept together. So they literally had him, you know, taken away from the home, ripped away from me. And that day in my phone to this day, there is a yo-yo next to my brother's name because my brother had this neon yo-yo that he always loved and it was his favorite thing in the whole wide world and the day that he said goodbye to me he gave me his yo-yo and mm-hmm. I remember that but I had no concept of understanding that I was never it was I remember us saying goodbye to each other and I don't think we had a concept of knowing that we were saying goodbye to each other it was just weird because we had never been apart I mean we were never apart. It was like, I was by his side. He was always protecting me. You know, he would sleep in front of, you know, my tent that I would sleep in. He would protect me literally to the point where unless I, you know, was in the bathroom, my brother was always by me protecting me because he was more, he, you know, he was more aware of what was going on. And he, you know, that was his job as my protector. So that was a horrible, awful day. I remember trying to process not understanding the world without having my brother because besides our social worker, my brother was my constant. He was my protector. That was a really, really bad day. And I know they didn't tell us what was happening. We just, I remember us just saying goodbye and me not knowing what was going on. And then days would just go by and I would realize, oh my gosh, I'm not going to see my brother again. Fast forward to me having lots of questions about that whenever I did get adopted. Um, I didn't, really speak very much. I was, I shut down extremely after that, you know, I was already a pretty shy kid, but after that, I didn't really talk to anyone. And I was not, was not a happy kid whatsoever because it just didn't make any sense to me, you know, and until, you know, even when I did get adopted by my parents who are absolutely amazing people, I was still extremely quiet because it's like, all of a sudden your world doesn't make sense and you don't quite really have the words to say, because you just really don't know what's going on. You just know you feel uncomfortable and sad. Yeah, that's huge. That's a really good point. But like kids don't have the language oftentimes. They are just, they're really good um, observers, but not great interpreters. So it's very difficult. Exactly. For those mm-hmm. young kids who don't have even language, you know, and, and what do you even say? Like you said, to, to your point, in those situations, do we even want to be talking about this with a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old? Do they, should they even have this verbiage to know, you know, yeah. what's going on? So it's very difficult, I'm sure, to navigate that. Yeah. 
Now let's talk about when you did become adopted that you were about eight years old, you said? So about eight years old, the process to actually fully became become legally adopted, I remember took longer than that, like a very long time. And for a good, I would say year, my parents could only have me, you know, once or twice a weekend. And then I would go back to the foster home that I was in. And then I, I believe they had me for a good six months before it became like final sealed legal and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember your adoption day? I do remember my adoption day. I do. Not it's like- so funny because my mom just resently that picture of our adoption day. It was good. I remember going to court again. I was really, really quiet and I knew something was going on. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure realizing this now as an adult, there's all these terms going on. You know what mom and dad means. You know that mom and dad or or whatever that means aren't there. And there's been a length of time. And I don't know that you associate that these are the people who essentially are replacing for, like I said, for my brother and I, we just looked at it as adults in the world and what adults were we going to be with at the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure I quite processed that these were like my adults forever. For my foster family, we would call them Mr. and Mrs. That was like our name for them. But my parents, they were really good about not having me call mom and dad right away. I knew what their names were. I knew it was Hazel and Jose. And I knew it was a really big deal. Most importantly, for the length of time that it was happening, it's almost like dating kind of because your parents, they come and you get super excited excited and you get dressed up. You don't know what adventure you're going to go on. And you know, you really like these people. You don't really know what that means, but you're really, really excited. And more importantly, for a kid like me, you learn consistency. You're like, oh my gosh, these people are showing up. So I'm excited. But that process didn't come easy at all. I remember the very first time I met them, versus the, I don't know if you saw the picture of the bunny. They're, mm-hmm. they're very different. That was at the point where I started trusting my parents. But the very first time I met them, I don't know that I would like come out from behind the wall. It was a long time essentially of them dating me before I realized, oh my gosh, these people are, are going to stick around. Like, this is kind of cool. I will tell you this really cool story. The day of my adoption, I remember walking into the room that my parents had made for me at that time. And like I said, we... And even on our foster home, we lived in tents. All of us had like a tent and that was kind of our room inside the room. So I had never had a bed before. And so I remember walking into the house and my parents had, you know, decorated and they were celebrating and everything. And I remember them opening those doors and there was this queen size bed, which to a kid that age, you're like, this is crazy. (laughs) I've never seen this. Like, is this a palace? And they had handpicked all of these stuffed animals, probably 30 stuffed animals all over the bed. And they were like, this is where you're going to sleep tonight. And I'd been to their house before, but, um, you know, they had made us a different bed. Like this was my room room. And I remember that was crazy. The whole adoption day was absolutely amazing, but I will always remember that. Gosh, that's gonna make me cry. It was like a fairy tale. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I one thing I've appreciated about um, following you online is just your you tell the truth, but you have this like blessing of optimism of hope. I feel like as the I read a lot of hope in what you post as a foster and adoptive mama. How do you feel like you've been able to cultivate that hope and in the struggles that you've had as a, as a child? It has not been easy. And I'll tell you, it has taken 37 years to go to this point because 
I, I don't think if you would have talked to me as an 18 year old or a 19 year old or a 20 year old, I would have had this much hope. It takes a really long time to deal with some of those issues. You still process them way after adulthood, you know, you know, you'll always be processing things and reprocessing things and understanding things. And to be honest with you, I think the biggest thing that, that gives me hope is looking back, realizing that bad things happen in this world, no matter what, not just foster care, not just abandonment, not just bad things in this world happen. And I think growing up and not understanding, you know, not understanding that this was happening to me because I was bad or for whatever reason, it's really hard to tell yourself that as a child, it's a lot easier to tell yourself that as an adult and, and, um, and a Christian, you know, you can process that, but as a child, you can't really process that pain is hurt and it's bad. And those things, you don't understand why they're happening to you. But I look for, I look towards today now and I go, man, that was a lot of really, really hard stuff. But on the end of every hard stuff that happens, I feel like you get a superpower, you know, God's not going to, you know, leave you hanging on that just because you don't have those normal things, the normal family that people say, right. But you get amazing moments that no one else will ever understand. And they become kind of like your, your superpower. So while you might be quote unquote lacking when you're, you're younger and those things, you know, knock you a little bit out of hope when you grow up and you look at those circumstances for the better good, you're like, wow. Okay. It's like, you know, I think they say sometimes, what do they say that people who either lose their sight, they get a really good sense of smell. It's like that when you're a foster kid, you don't get a lot of normal moments and and it becomes awkward. It does. You know, one of the most awkward things for me growing up was, you know, that day you go to school and they want to have baby pictures. Stop. I hate that so much. (laughs) And you're like, um, I don't have have baby pictures or you go to, you know, when you become an 18, 19 year old and your mom doesn't go to your doctor's um, appointments anymore. And they go, what's your, your family medical history. And you're like, or, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know moments in my life, you know, there are some amazing moments where I go, God has blessed me in an abundance of those moments. And just because I didn't have those other ones doesn't take away from my quality of life. It's just different for me. It's just different. And I honestly don't know that I would change it because I wouldn't be who I am. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not sure my purpose would be the same. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that perspective so much. It's so beautiful just to think about, you know, everything you said about having like cultivating these like resilient superpowers that you kind of, you know, you wouldn't have had otherwise and having that spin on it is, you know, obviously like as a Christian, like beauty from ashes that we get, of course, this wasn't the original deal plan, but like that so much beauty and so much hope and goodness has come out of it. And then you're just like living that and speaking it. And it is so great to hear. Um, And I definitely want people to be able to follow along with you online. So where can they find you and follow more um, of your story? Um, so definitely on my Instagram, which is at the Imzilla. I think, yeah, that's about it right there. <laughs> that's the easiest. That's how, keep it simple. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely going to link that up for everybody. And just thank you again for sharing with us. Um, we just are so grateful for you and just doing amazing things in this world by sharing your message. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>